Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Beyond the Self podcast. I'm Africa. I am Africa and I am pleased, as always, to be here with you. It is a Sunday evening, nearly midnight, drinking my tea on my chair, warm, cozy, comfortable, and I'm ready to have this conversation with you. How to have difficult conversations. That is the topic of today. And before I dive in, I'm going to ask for something. And listen, I don't ask you for much, right? I I don't ask you for much. If you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure that you are following this podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed and please give a rating. And if you give a review, if you decide to go all out and give <laughs> and give me a review, I will love you forever. Okay, these are seemingly small things that take you less than a minute to do, but they mean a great deal because social proof is very, very important. It just allows other people to know that, okay, there's there's something here. There's something here. A few people listen to this. Let me let me check this thing out. Okay. Um, so make sure you're following the podcast. It's very quick on Spotify to just give it a five-star rating, preferably, but but also be honest, okay? Um, and to also review it on Apple Podcasts, I would greatly, greatly appreciate that before we dive in. And I will also just say thank you to everyone that listen, there's so much out there that you could be listening to. Your time and your attention is currency. In modern day society, it is currency. And I'd argue that it's always been, but I'm, I'm very grateful that you take the time to listen to what I have to say, whether we agree on everything or not, that is not the goal, but I just hope that I can put something forward that is going to be insightful, useful, maybe even funny, who knows? Um, but I'm very grateful to all of my listeners, whether you've been with me from the beginning or you found me an episode ago or four episodes ago or however the fuck you found me. Thank you so much for hanging out with me here. I love having these conversations with you. And today we're going to be having a conversation that I believe is timely for a multitude of reasons. It's also timely for me because I have needed to have some very, very difficult conversations, including today, including today when I was getting ready to record this, I had a conversation with my partner. It's not necessary for me to go into (laughs) into any details, obviously. And if you're listening to this, hi, Rich. We had a beautiful, beautiful conversation, an ongoing conversation, but a hard one, a very hard one. And this episode is one that I've been planning behind the scenes for a while, but I didn't know that I was going to be sitting here recording this until today. And a lot of the things that I will put forward in this episode are things that I've learned from the recent difficult conversations that I've needed to have, but also just in working with my own clients to help them have the courage and the confidence to have difficult conversations in an effective way. I've been able to collect so many useful tools that I want to share with you today. So today is going to be one of those episodes where Africa has notes. All right. I have notes with me because (laughs) I need you to put some of these things into your own toolkit, into your own arsenal. 
whether or not you are preparing for a difficult conversation right now or you are going to be having one in the future, I think this is going to be a fantastic resource for you to keep coming back to. All right. Okay. So let me just pour myself some tea. I'm drinking persimmon leaf tea. It's the Korean tea that I was drinking in the last episode, I think, but it's a really nice bedtime tea. It's a beautiful, beautiful bedtime tea. So that's what I'm drinking. And I'm in I'm in very good spirits today. I'm in very good spirits because the past week has been quite difficult emotionally for many different reasons, but because of some of the conversations I've been needing to have in my relationship, I'm in a deeply loving relationship with a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man who who I'm not afraid to have these conversations with. But the thing is, we are all human. I'm someone that doesn't run away from conflict or discomfort, but I'm always reminded of my humanity. (laughs) I'm always reminded of my humanness in conversations because intellectually, you can know all of the things. You can know all of the right words and you can know all of the lingo. You can be tuned into self-help, self-improvement, psychology. You can have all of the abstract techniques, but when you are in a conversation in real time and emotions are high and it's with someone that you love or maybe someone you don't love, (laughs) someone who evokes some kind of emotional response within you, all of that can go out of the fucking window very quickly, very quickly, which is why I really want you to engage with this conversation, whether or not there is a difficult conversation that you need to have, because we all need to be equipped with the tools so we can become better communicators. So this week I've really had to, I've really had to reach into my own bag and to see what is there, because I find that in my day to day, I don't I don't really have to have difficult conversations all the time. I'm surrounded by like-minded people. I'm surrounded by people that are very upfront. And when I say like-minded people, I say that to say there's rarely any sort of conflict. There's rarely any kind of disagreement, which is why I love my work because in that area, that's where people in the public are able to disagree with me and I can really exercise that muscle. But in my interpersonal relationships, for the most part, they're very conflict-free. They're very disagreement-free. Even with my family, it's just the same. Or when something is happening, we bring it to the table, we have a conversation about it. With romantic love, it 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 just brings out a different type of conflict. It brings up a different type of hard conversation that you have to have. And that's what I've needed to do this week. And it's been, it's been very confronting, but in a really useful way. And I was even saying to my partner earlier that in the recent conversation that we had, I really appreciated it because it held a mirror up to me. It allowed me to see my own blind spots. I do this work every single day where I work with other people to help them have conversations that are challenging, but in my interpersonal relationships, I'm having to practice that very same thing. And it's been a while since I've had to do it in a romantic relationship. So a mirror was held up to me. And I'll I'll sort of tell you what I mean by that as I take you through the steps. 
But I say all of that to say this conversation is very, very timely. And also, as I record this, we're approaching the end of the year. So you might be listening to this far in the future. But as I record this, it is the 18th of December. And it's going to be a new year soon. And around this time, I think that there's something really beautiful about being able to close certain loops. And I think having hard conversations is a part of that. Looking at everything that has happened to bring you to this point in time, right? And saying, okay, where could I do things a little bit differently? Are there any conversations I need to have? Is there anything that I've been avoiding? I think now is a perfect time. Any time is a perfect time, but there's something about this season. Okay. Um, so how to have difficult conversations. I want to introduce this topic properly by really emphasizing the, the, the fact that our natural instinct as human beings, okay, is to avoid things that are going to cause any kind of discomfort or any pain and navigating difficult conversations is no different. It is no different. We tend to avoid them, even though we know we need to have it. We need to understand what is happening. We need to eliminate any kind of confusion. We need to problem solve. If any part of you thinks it's going to be painful or uncomfortable, you will likely avoid it. And I know this very fucking well. If you listen to my conversation <laughs> with my wonderful friend, Stephen Bartlett, on his podcast, Diary of a CEO, he pointed out a small but important detail of how I had spoken about my relationship with my cousin. And in that moment, in that moment, in a very public way, I realized that there was a conversation that I had been avoiding for years, for seven years to be specific. And that was the moment after that episode went live and I listened back to it and I knew, fuck, I need to have that conversation. Plus I'd promised Steve that I was going to do it. <laughs> I needed to have that conversation. It made me realize that I wanted to bring this to this podcast so we can really go through what that process can look like. So it's taken me a little while to get to this point of sitting in this chair and saying, okay, I think there's a way that you can do this. Maybe there's some kind of system, right? It's not going to be 100% effectively the same for every single person, but there is a way to have difficult conversations. So it came from me realizing that even though I'm a very confident, direct and outspoken person, someone that likes challenge, someone that likes to feel uncomfortable, if I know that it's going to lead me to growth in some kind of way, there was a conversation that I had been avoiding for a very, very long time. So that is our natural instinct as human beings, and that's fine. But the issue with avoidance is that it tends to make things worse. It amplifies those feelings of anxiety and those feelings of stress, and it just makes everything so much worse. And those feelings will collect and they will lead you to approach the conversation, if you ever decide to do so, in an ineffective way. And I realized this with my cousin as well. And also with the recent conversation that I was having with my partner, I had been avoiding it for so long that I was starting to create so many stories about what had happened between us. So me and my cousin were still in each other's lives. We've always been in each other's lives. But because there was this buildup of just tension and confusion and assumption 
we were both just creating so many different stories about what was happening and none of us had approached the other person to just ask. It didn't even seem like an option to reach out and to ask. And yet we were seeing each other at family gatherings when I would go over to their house. We were seeing each other all the time. It's not as if physically we had distance between us. No, it was just a mental and emotional distance that was being created by stories and assumption and avoidance for seven years. For seven years. And the anxiety that I would feel when her and I would just be alone in the room or feeling like we have nothing to talk about or we would still speak, but it just felt so surface level. It just felt very, very awkward. And I will say this again, I am a very confident person, so is she. We're very outspoken. We can be extroverted. She's more extroverted than I am, but we we both have that sort of reservedness about us. But when we're comfortable, we will really go for it when it comes to open conversation. But we were only ever able to be in conversation when other people were in the room. And every time it was just the two of us, there would be something just lingering in the air. And again, All of that was stories and assumptions and neither of us ever said, hey, can you feel this thing happening? What's going on? Yet when we were younger, we were close and when she was coming from Zimbabwe to the UK, she was very excited to see me, very, very excited to see me and I was excited to see her. But when she came, I was a completely different person. I was at the height of my self-destruction at that time with drinking and partying and all these other things. So she met a very different version of me. And that started to fracture our relationship. And just my general behavior in the family, it fractured my relationship with her and many other people. But with her and I, it was very, very obvious. And it was a stark difference from what we used to be. So again, all of these things were just being fed and anxiety and stress and assumption, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when I found myself speaking about my family and relationships in my conversation with Stephen on his podcast, I didn't even expect for that to come up. It it was something, that avoidance was just something that I had normalized. We just don't speak. It's a conversation I want to have. I'll have it one day. We'll see what happens. And he picked up on something really important and I needed to have that conversation. But avoidance, avoidance can kill and damage the most beautiful, beautiful connection. So we really have to watch out for that. So if you are avoiding a difficult conversation, I really hope that this is going to be useful to you. One of the first things that I will put forward, you need to have an understanding of your communication style. If you want to approach a conversation with someone, especially if it's someone that you still want to keep in your life and The way that I'm doing this podcast, actually, because I understand that difficult conversations, it's a very layered thing. It's a very, very layered thing. In this particular episode, I want to focus on an interpersonal relationship. It has to be someone that you're really close with, not a stranger, not some random person, not an acquaintance, someone that you're actually close with and have had a relationship with, a really connected relationship with, but there's been some conflict. There's something that needs to be addressed. There's been some kind of disagreement. There's something that needs to be resolved. And I'm speaking about this with the idea 
that you want to keep this person in your life. And then I'm going to do a separate episode, maybe next week or the week after that. I'll do a separate episode on how you can have a difficult conversations with strangers and acquaintances. But in this particular conversation that we are having, it's about someone that you have a close relationship with, but there's been a breakdown and you want to maintain that relationship. But if you're finding that you'll still get something useful from this, but the relationship structure with the person might be different, maybe it is an acquaintance, maybe it is a stranger that you're somehow in constant communication with, then take whatever is useful. But I'm going to be speaking from the place of it being an interpersonal relationship with someone and you want to maintain that relationship, okay? So the first thing that I would say, is you need to have an understanding of your communication style. Do you, for example, try too hard to please? Because if you do, you might end up abandoning your own needs to avoid conflict, to avoid criticism, to avoid disapproval. Understanding your communication style, and I think I've spoken about this in different episodes, but It's really worth repeating, and I think I will do a separate episode on how you can identify your own communication style, but it's very useful before you go into any conversation, all right? So do you try too hard to please? Maybe you get passive aggressive when you hear unfavorable details about your behavior. Maybe you get aggressive and defensive quite easily. Be be very honest, okay? Don't judge it own it. Do not judge it. This is just about understanding what your communication style is. How do you deal with conflict? Because once you know, it means that when you're in the conversation, even when emotions are high, you can observe your own behavior and you can shift it accordingly. All right. The second thing you want to do is to pinpoint the reason you're having the conversation. When you go in, without any fucking clue of what your purpose or your intention is, you can be, you can be assured that it's going to be an ineffective conversation in one way or another. Because the thing is for a conversation to be difficult, that tends to mean that emotions are high. Emotions are high. People have their opinions. The other person is fighting for their worldview. You're fighting for yours. Stories are getting mixed up. You have your story, they have their story, even though ultimately what you need to be doing is creating a new story so you can figure out, you can figure your way out of this thing. Emotions are high. So you need to know the reason why you're having the conversation. What is the intention here? Do you want the other person to understand your perspective of what happened? Do you want to understand theirs? Or maybe there was a miscommunication, so it's both of those things. Do you want to problem solve? Pinpoint the reason you're having the conversation. Next, have the conversation in person. This one is huge. This one is huge. I'm no stranger to trying to have a difficult conversation over the fucking phone. Even as recently as a few days ago, I tried to have a difficult conversation on the phone and it just did not work. It just didn't work. And I'll be very honest, 
I rushed into having that conversation without actually pinpointing what my intention was. I thought I knew what my intention was, but I hadn't come to that conclusion from a grounded place. So I was all over the place in a lot of ways. I mean, I could articulate what I thought it was, but that was not the actual reason, right? And also because I was then coming with an unclear intention and doing it over the phone, it was just, it was just a shit show. It was an absolute shit show. And I take full responsibility for that because my goodness, we underestimate how important it can be to be able to see someone's body language, to hear someone's tone in person directly, to really see the nuances and subtleties on someone's face and in someone's voice. Over the phone, so many things are flattened. So many things are flattened, which means you can you can, you can assume what someone's body language might be. You might assume so many intricate details. So if you can have this conversation in person, please make sure you can do that. And then to this one, I will also add, leave your assumptions at the door. Okay. People are not one dimensional. You really don't know the ins and outs of someone's internal world in the way that you (laughs) might think you do. All right. Even if it's your partner, even if it's your mother, even if it's your sibling, even if it's your cousin, whoever that person is that you have an interpersonal relationship with, do not make assumptions about who they are. Yes, you might know them, but there's so much more that you don't know. So much more. And the thing is, terms of engagement in in relation to the people we know, they need to be renegotiated over and over and over again, more than we realize. And difficult conversations can actually reveal new information about yourself and about the other person. So you need to leave room for that to happen. Leave your assumptions at the door. And I know it can be so hard because we're all coming in with our story. You're coming in ready to defend. You're coming in ready to find out information that is going to prove that you are the one in the right, but leave your assumptions and your ego at the door. Next, approach the conversation with openness and a willingness to solve the problem instead of needing to be right. Oh, this one's huge. This one's a big one, all right? In our everyday lives, and I include myself in this, a lot of us will say that we value openness, we value understanding, we value intellectual humility. But when you are in a highly emotional state and the other person is, but it doesn't even take the other person to be in a highly emotional state as well. (laughs) It just takes one person. And let's assume in this situation, it is you, all right? If that is the case, it's not your rational and logical self that is in the room, all right? So you might be able to say intellectually that you value openness, but when you're in that situation, it can be very difficult to do, which is why having some kind of game plan, some kind of idea of what you need to be remembering is very important before you dive headfirst into these conversations. So approach it with openness and a willingness to solve the problem, especially if you do want to maintain a relationship with this person, right? Let go of that need to be right. Because the thing is, wanting to be right 
will only make you fight to prove that the other person is wrong. And I'm really going to repeat that again. Wanting to be right will only make you fight to prove that the other person is wrong. So intellectual humility is not just a nice to have in this scenario. It's fucking important. There's a third perspective and a third story that you and the other person can uncover together. And that is not going to happen if you don't remain open. If you don't ditch the need to be right. If you come into this with the mindset that you are trying to solve a problem you are more likely to have your desired outcome to connect, all right? You have the mindset to solve a problem, not to prove that you're correct. Next thing that I would suggest if you are going to be having a hard conversation, humanize the other person. This person is not your enemy, not in the truest sense. It might feel like they are, but they're not. And you have to remember that. You have to remember that. Stay grounded in the reality of what is, not what your emotions tell you this person is. When I was having, um, when I was having the difficult conversation with my partner, I really had to keep reminding myself in that moment and even way past that conversation. And we were talking about this earlier really had to remind myself that I love this person. This person loves me. This person deeply respects me. This person is very thoughtful. This person is very supportive of me. This person encourages me. This person aids my growth and I do the same for them. So I have to have this conversation through that lens of all of these things, even though it's fucking difficult, even though I still found myself veering towards being passive aggressive, right? I had to remind myself of all of these things because it allowed me to humanize the person that I'm speaking with. And I, I, I wasn't perfect in the conversation. He wasn't perfect in the conversation either, but it wasn't about that. That was not what we were trying to do. Just humanizing the other person as much as possible allows you to hear them. It allows you to see them. It allows you to appreciate what they're actually saying. And you might not get it right. You might not get it perfect, but you can fucking try. And if you realize that you actually didn't do that for them when they needed it, and this was the case for me, I realized that I wasn't as compassionate as I would have liked to be. I wasn't as empathetic as I would have liked to be because we had that conversation on a day where I was extremely tired. This conversation had been brewing and building up for such a long time. So I came into it with my own assumptions. There was so much miscommunication from the get-go. So even though we were trying in our own ways to hold each other, there was so much happening at the same time And it was just extremely overwhelming. So I wasn't as compassionate as I could have been. But once I had given myself the space after that conversation and also for him, I was able to apologize and to acknowledge my role in not being as compassionate as I should have been, right? Because it was all emotion. It was all emotion from all directions. So my rational, logical self, who's able to say, I, Africa, am compassionate. I practice and I value intellectual humility. 
I practice and I value openness. I wasn't able to do that as well as I would have wanted to in that conversation. So humanizing the other person and making a commitment to make sure you fucking do that before the conversation is really important. And if you don't get it right, you can acknowledge it with the person after. And we'll speak about the follow-up right at the end. But I think that one's really, really important. And I don't hear it enough when I hear people talking about having hard conversations, crucial conversations, I don't hear that piece enough. And I think it's, I, I think it changes so much, so much. Next thing that I will share is make a list of important points that you would like to make. All right. Don't worry if it feels a little bit silly, but it will help you stay on track, especially if you know that the conversation you want to have is a big one. It's a multi-layered one. There's so many different directions you could come at it from. Write the key points down so that you don't forget, right? And you can even mention it when you're having the conversation with the person before you dive into everything. Just let them know, by the way, I do have some notes with me because I don't want to get overwhelmed and I want to make sure that I stay on track. I don't want to end up going here, there and everywhere. So I do have notes with me, right? And again, don't worry if it feels silly who fucking cares? Put your ego to the side and focus on what your desired outcome is. Note-taking is something that I do all the time. Of course, you don't want to, and it also depends how you're doing this, right? You don't want to make the other person feel like, oh shit, I have a a fucking file on you. No, that's not what we're (laughs) talking about here. It could be very simple bullet points. It could be in your notes app on your phone, and you could just make it very clear to the other person, look, it's just for my own clarity so I can make sense of what I'm putting forward. All right. But I found that for me personally, it really, really helps. It makes a huge difference. And it allows me to just make sense of what it is that I'm saying instead of being scattered. All right. Next thing that I would share is around tone. Speak as calmly as possible. And listen, I know it's fucking hard. (laughs) I know it's fucking hard, but tone is everything when you're having a hard conversation. It is so easy to get snarky, to get passive aggressive, to raise your voice, to become condescending. But when you try your best to speak as calmly and clearly as possible, it also helps with nervous system regulation, right? But it also allows for the other person to understand what it is that you're saying and for them to actually receive the content of what you're saying instead of hyper-focusing on your tone. Tone, whether we like it or not, it's it's not tone policing all the time. Tone makes a huge difference in terms of how we receive and give information. Next, do everything in your power to avoid name-calling, insults, threatening, or getting snarky. This will make the other person shut down. If you do that, the other person is going to shut down and it's going to derail the conversation from being handled in a healthy way. And all of this, the reason I'm even doing this episode and the reason I like to speak about conversations and communication is because we need to become better communicators. We need to be able to speak in a confident way, in an assertive way, in a compassionate way, in a direct way, even when, or rather, especially when, what we're talking about is fucking uncomfortable. So all of this is a practice in you becoming a better communicator. So do everything in your power to avoid 
that low level stuff, which we all do in one way or another, because it's very human, but you can try, you can try your best, try your very best because it's going to move the conversation in a completely different direction, in a direction that's not going to serve either of you. So really watch out for that, especially when it comes to name calling and insults and that kind of thing. I, I, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. You know what? Something in the beginning, when I'm, when I'm first dating someone, I always have these conversations around communication just to understand what are they like in stressful moments? Are they someone who shouts quite a lot? Do they tend to resort to name calling and insults? Because I, I can't do that. For me, respect is the bare minimum. So if I respect you, even in those moments where I feel so frustrated and angry, I will do my fucking best. And my fucking best means that I will not name call. I will not insult you. I won't do it. I won't do it. I might find myself raising my voice, but even then I just, there are certain things that I find very difficult to do if I truly respect you. And to even be in a relationship with you, whether it's romantic or platonic, respect has to be the bare minimum. So I make sure that I work on controlling my own response, my own emotions, making sure that I'm not reacting, right? So do everything in your power to avoid anything that could derail the conversation and just lead you to a place you don't want to be in, a place that is in direct opposition of the outcome that you want. If your outcome is to maintain some kind of civility or connection with the person, okay? Next one. And this is a big one because I found myself doing this quite a lot, uh, with my partner the other day, (laughs) interrupting, do not interrupt, do not interrupt. And I intellectually, I know this intellectually, I know interrupting is not useful. Interrupting makes the other person and you even more frustrated. Interrupting derails, interrupting does not serve the conversation. It doesn't serve the the mission of trying to solve the issue. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. And it's it's very immature. It's very immature and childish. And I found myself doing it in the conversation um, I had recently because I, I felt very misunderstood and I felt as if what I was saying was not being received, but also the person that I was speaking to felt exactly the same. I, they felt very dismissed because I was jumping in and trying to state my point. But when I noticed that I was doing that, I apologized for it because it wasn't okay and it wasn't fair, but it just shows you how we can know something intellectually, but when emotions are high, you, you're very reactive. I didn't give myself the time to respond and I wasn't allowing my person to respond either. But these are all things that I had to acknowledge and take responsibility for in different ways during the conversation, but especially after the conversation in the follow-up. It was really important for me to say, actually, that was not okay. I should have, as someone that loves you, I should have listened intentionally. I should have held you and supported it. Even if I felt confused, even if I felt misunderstood, even if I felt like I had no idea what was going on and how we ended up here with the conversation, I could have brought awareness 
to the fact that you were sharing something with me and allowed you to actually finish what you had to say. So interrupting is something that's very tempting to do, but, but do not give in. All right. Listen to understand and respond. Don't listen to defend and react because sometimes we do that. A lot of the time we do that. Actually, we listen with a very defensive ear, trying to pick out things that the other person is saying, which we will deem wrong straight away. And now we have to defend it. So we're not actually listening to their full story. We're not receiving full context. We're just cherry picking so that we can defend. And that is not useful. That is not listening. Active listening is what we want to do. Even if it's uncomfortable, allow the other person to finish. And if you're not quite sure, you can ask, are you finished? It really can be that simple. And if the other person is not, then let them speak. And then when it's your turn to speak, hopefully they will give you that same grace. And if not, then you can put a boundary forward or to just say simply, I haven't finished yet. Can you allow me to finish? And then you can have a back and forth, whatever that looks like. But interrupting is not fucking useful. And we all know this, but it's worth repeating because it's one of the first things we forget. <laughs> it's one of the first things we forget. It really is. Um, and one of the last things that I will share here before I dive into the follow-up is take responsibility for your feelings. And one of the best way to do this is to use I statements instead of you. So I feel like this, not you're making me feel. Even if it's, even if you really feel that way, as in this person is making me feel shame, this person is making me feel bad. Using an I statement can allow for the conversation to continue. It can allow for the other person to not shut down because if they shut down, then there's no conversation left to have. Whereas if it remains open and you take responsibility for how you feel, but you're also very clear with the other person about those feelings and why you're feeling that way, it can be much more effective. I feel hurt. I feel ashamed. I feel guilty. I feel unheard. I feel unloved. And to state your reasons why. But you have to take responsibility for your feelings. And this is a, a lot of this is also intuitive because I don't know you and I don't know the details of your life. I don't know the difficult conversations you need to have. This is not going to be a one size fits all. But a lot of these things that I'm sharing here can allow you to just navigate the conversations in a different way. It can just allow you to take on that role of observing the way that you are in conversations. It can also allow you to take responsibility for your feelings in conversations because you can't control what the other person says or does, but you can control what you say or do and how you receive that information. And it's so difficult in real time to hold on to all of these things that I'm sharing. But if you make it a practice, and even if you remember just a few of these things, it can change the course of the conversation, right? Let's say one, if you, if you at least have an understanding, have an understanding of your communication style, make sure you know the reason why you're having the conversation, have the conversation in person, leave your assumptions at the door. A lot of these things are mindsets, right? They're mindsets that you need to have in place. And then some of these things are then the things you say, right? So making a list of the points you'd like to make, 
And what else is here? Taking responsibility for your feelings. So you're using I statements. Those are the areas where it's more so, okay, this is what you say and this is how you say it and your tonality and your delivery. But for the most part, a lot of this is about the mindset. It's about the energy that you are bringing to this conversation. It's about knowing your why and being very clear about what your why is. It's about humanizing the other person, right? They are not your enemy. Even if the conversation is a very hard and brutal one, if the desired outcome has something to do with you wanting to maintain a relationship with the person, I, I would confidently assume that they are not your enemy. So make sure you don't allow your mind to feed you these ideas that it's you versus this person. They are the enemy. They are wrong and you are right because you are not going to get the desired outcome. Your goal is to solve the problem. Maybe you might solve the problem and still decide that, you know what? We need to part. We need to take some time apart. Then that's fine. But the goal is to solve the problem and it's so that you can become a better communicator. All right. So the follow up time gives you perspective. My fucking goodness, does it give you perspective? Be it 24 hours or six days or six weeks or six months, time gives you perspective. Taking a little bit of space away from that conversation allows you to think. It allows you to make sense of some of the things that came up. It allows you to take accountability of some of the things that you put forward. It allows you to think of the questions that you might want to ask the person or the insights that you might want to share with the person post-conversation, right? So having space is very important. Even requesting space, even saying, and this is something that I ended up saying in my conversation the other day, once I recognized that from my end, I was not going to bring anything useful to the conversation. It was very important for me to put that forward. To say, you know what? My emotions are really high right now. I can sense that I'm getting defensive. I feel very frustrated. I don't think there's going to be any kind of solution in this phone call. And it shouldn't have happened on the phone. Um, I don't think there's going to be a solution in this phone call. It's probably better if we take a day or two, and then we can meet face to face and have the conversation, right? So I recognized very quickly, very quickly that it was not going to be a, an effective conversation because so many components were not in place. And I wasn't very clear on the outcome that I actually wanted from it. So taking time really does give you perspective, but also sometimes you might realize that taking too much time can make things a little bit worse, right? It can make things a little bit worse. So navigate this part, how you see fit, because it is going to look different for everyone. Some people just might need a day. Some people might need a week. Some people might need a month. It just depends on what is happening in the specifics of your life and this conversation that you're having and the person that you're having it with, right? But sometimes you might find that when you leave things too long, things can fester, there can be room for assumptions and new stories are created. So you really want to check in to make sure that there's some kind of agreement with both of you, that both of you are happy to take this amount of time and then you'll come back and then you'll continue the conversation. And if you want to, and all of this is part of the follow-up, 
if you want to maintain a relationship with the person after that hard and challenging discussion, follow it up with a call or a text or an email, something, right? Let them know that they have given you something to think about. Even expressing gratitude in some kind of way. Thank you for sharing that with me. It was really hard to hear, but I'm really glad that you felt that you could bring that to the table. And then this is where, if you didn't show compassion in the way you you would have wanted to, like I did, this is where you can say, you know what? I wasn't as understanding or compassionate as I would have liked to be. So I really want to own up to that. I want to apologize for that. I appreciate you sharing everything. And now that I've had a little bit of space and time, I don't feel as defensive. I completely understand where you were coming from. And if you don't understand where they were coming from, you can also say that. To say, I still appreciate you feeling that you could share everything with me. I still need clarity on certain things, but we can talk about that in person when we see each other, right? So you have to... Don't leave that loop open after a difficult conversation. Follow it up with something and continue the conversation when emotions aren't so high. You know, sometimes there's a clear resolve, but not always, not always. It doesn't have to be a one and done. It doesn't have to be done on that phone call. It doesn't have to be done at that sit down in person. It can be a continuous conversation. And when we have these conversations in a compassionate and intentional way, honestly, it allows us to remain connected. It can feel so, (laughs) it can feel so hard and all consuming and just so daunting, but you get a little bit braver. You really fucking do. You get a little bit braver. You get a little bit more courageous even if it's still a little bit rough and rocky, as long as you take these things into account It just allows you to be able to navigate conversations in a better way. And you are not responsible for the other person. You are only responsible for you. So I will give another quick rundown of those steps that I shared with you on how to have difficult conversations. And I hope you will take them on board. Make notes. Remember them. Get them tattooed. Whatever you need to do. All of us will need to have a challenging conversation at one point or another. So I know that this is going to be a useful resource. And I invite you to share this episode with someone, actually. There is someone you know that needs this or share it with your audience. There's someone that needs this. When I put um, a question out some months ago on what difficult conversation are you avoiding, I got hundreds and hundreds of responses we're all avoiding something. And sometimes it just takes us knowing that these conversations are being had for us to be like, oh shit, I hadn't even realized that there's something that I'm avoiding. Because it just eats away at you, whether you realize it or not. But when you close that loop, again, you get and you feel a little bit braver. So share this with someone, share it with your audience, tag me. I love seeing when you tag me so that I can say hello. But I... I think these conversations are not to be hoarded. It's not just to be listened to and then you move on, right? It's to be shared. I I make these and put them out into the world, hoping that you will share them and continue the conversation because my goodness, these are all tools that we could have done learning when we were really young, how to have difficult conversations. Imagine there was a class on that in school. We, we navigate these things daily, yet we're not taught. 
So I really do hope that this was helpful. I know that it was helpful for me even to just get these things out. And I, I, I will make sure that I don't forget any of these things. So I will run through them once more before I leave you. Step one, have an understanding of your communication style. Two, pinpoint the reason you're having this conversation. Three, have the conversation in person. Four, leave your assumptions at the door. Five, approach the conversation with openness and a willingness to solve the problem instead of needing to be right. Six, humanize the other person. Seven, make a list of important points you'd like to make and don't worry if it feels silly, all right? Eight, tone is everything when having a hard conversation, so speak as calmly as possible. Nine, do everything in your power to avoid name-calling, insults, threatening, or getting snarky. 10. Do not interrupt. (laughs) 11. Take responsibility for your feelings. And then the follow-up, number one was time. Time gives you perspective. So just remember that. Take the space that you need, but make sure that you're not taking too much because that just might be avoidance hiding. And then if you want to maintain a relationship with the person, make sure that that follow-up involves some kind of call or a text or an email. Let them know that they've given you something to think about. Continue the conversation when emotions aren't so high. Express gratitude if you need to. Let them know that you understand and you appreciate them sharing what they shared with you, even if it was hard to hear, even if you still need clarity on certain things. You look forward to continuing the conversation and thank them. And also in yourself, because it's not fucking easy, I'll tell you that much. It is not. You could have all of the wisdom, you could be the wisest person in the world, but we are all human at the end of the day. When we're in that state, when we're simply just fucking animals and we want to defend ourselves and we feel misunderstood and we feel like the other person is wrong and we are right, we must be right. All of the stuff we know goes out of the fucking window. But the more that we remember these things and we make them a practice in our daily conversations, even when you're not having a conversation that is super difficult, but just something that's kind of challenging and causes a little bit of discomfort, you get to practice these things. And that's what I'll do in the next episode, actually. I will talk about having difficult conversations, but with strangers or acquaintances, people you don't know, people who thought they knew you, but now they're meeting a different version of you. And yeah, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm going to spend the next week sort of figuring out the details of what that will be, but I'm very much looking forward to sharing that with you. And again, if you're not following this podcast, please make sure you're doing that or subscribe wherever you're listening to and make sure you rate it because it makes a huge difference. Thousands of you listen every week. Um, so if you just took a second to just rate it, it, it just, it means the absolute world to me. And when you share these episodes, it means the world to me as well. And when you tag me on social media, um, it's just nice to see the real people that are listening to this, you know, it means a great deal. It means a great, great deal. 
And I'm very, very excited to continue the conversation with you. And if you have suggestions of what you would like to hear on this podcast or who you would like to hear on this podcast, because guests from next year, um, send me an email. Hello at africabrook.com. For now, I will love you and leave you. And I wish you well in the conversations that you are going to be having. Take care.